Hi everybody, I am Peter Travers and welcome to Popcorn where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's a movie now called Downsizing starring my guest Matt Damon who is a big star but he shrunk down to below life size in this. What are you, five inches tall? Five inches tall, Five inches tall. What does it feel like? (laughs) Look, when I first, when Alexander Payne, who's one of my absolute favorite directors, he'd been on my my bucket list forever, and and, um, when he came to me and said, I have something we could do together, I got really excited, and then he pitched this idea, and at first I thought he was joking, (laughs) because it seems so absurd, but it is, it's a satire, and it's about, you know, if you just go with the premise that, you know, these Norwegian scientists have perfected this method of shrinking us down, as a way of offsetting climate change, then, you know, as, as, as dumb as that sounds, then the rest of the movie really falls into place, and it's a beautiful... Yeah, did, the movie journey. doesn't tell us whether Trump is still president while you were shrunk. Right, well, we made it, <laughs> we made it before Boy, the election, oh, so, so it, wasn't, just, it, doesn't it wasn't have happening any, It doesn't have any politics like that, you know, in it, any, any partisan stuff. But set up a little besides the shrunken thing is that you, Kristen Wiig, married, and right. there's a whole thing happening in the world where we can make the personal choice... Yeah, and and a lot of the, you know, it's like 3% of the global population starts to do this because they they realize, you know, forget about the climate change thing, like we could actually consume more if we're small, right? So you can have like the equivalent of a of a of a 7,000 square foot mansion and 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 acres upon acres for the for you know for for the size of this rug. You know, you can you can live like a king and you can kind of have your your real American dream that you can't quite attain in the big world, but you could have it in the little world, and if you just make this choice to downsize. It's funny because I was completely sold when I was watching it too. I thought, well, this makes sense, you know. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Do people have many cell phones that are still attached to them? Well, it was. Good. Yeah. I mean, the art department and and you know the 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 production design. Everybody did a really beautiful job at creating. You know, they did like the the wood on the wall when you're in the small world. The grain in the wood, you know, the, you know, the standby painters did these, you know, they'd come in and they did, the, I mean, these beautiful, like, you could see the grain and you could really <laughs> feel like you were in the small world. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's uh, I, I mean, the way he pitched it to me was, um, and you'll appreciate this, he said, I want to make a, a Hal Ashby movie with just massive special effects that kind of disappear. And, um, and that really is what he, what he did. It's, yeah, because it's, we don't see it. We're not watching it like it's this giant epic and we're going to do it. It's right. like these real people. Right. You have kind of a, a crappy mid-level job you yeah. know, where leaving is probably not such a big thing. Right, right. And, and, and I'm, I'm kind of a source of disappointment, I guess, to my wife slightly, even though that kind of goes unmentioned. Like, we can't really live in the house that we want to live in. I can't, we just can't kind of make our American dream work. And so we... We make the tough decision to, to, to go small. So then a thousand bucks is worth... Right. Well, like, I mean, they, there's a whole scene where we're, we're kind of pitched on the small life and, and our kind of our life savings, you know, which is kind of a six, like a hundred grand turns into, you know, $12 million and you can live on for the rest of your life. The, the equivalent, you know, is, uh, you know, in the small world is what that... Well, I mean, it, but it also says in a very Alexander Payne way, which means there's no sermonizing. That right. goes on in it. It just comes out of the character. It's what I love about his movie, yeah. ab- ab- about all of his movies. It's why I was chasing him so long as a director. I mean, his movies have that beautiful. Did you have of... to fight to, to get into this? Are you telling me that? Well, it's... chasing Alexander Payne and saying you it's, know... he he never had a role for me. I mean, mm-hmm. or a role that 
he didn't have some, you know, it's like, you, you never know when, when, when the right thing will come along, you know, that you're right for. So, so yeah, you, you do kind of chase these people. You do let them know. You kind of put your, put your flag up and say, hey, I'm here if you, you know, I really would love to work with you, which is what I told him in 1999. I, I met him, we were in a, uh, Sherry Lansing was running Paramount at the time, and she had a kind of an end of the year party for the films that they'd done and he had done election and I'd done the talented Mr. Ripley that year. And so we were both at this kind of affair and, and, uh, and it was the one time I'd met him and I, and I just said, listen, I really hope to work with you someday. And I mean, I'm totally shameless when it comes to getting a job. I think that's yeah. great that you do that. I'm sorry it took 18 years. I was too. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> thought, okay, you know. that's what it did. Really? But now I can do it and you want to shrink me to five inches. And you want to shrink me to five inches tall. I thought he might be punking me when he was telling me the, the premise. How do you get in character to play that? Because basically you're you, except... What's great, many things that are great about this movie, but especially is the adjustment of it when it happens to you. Yeah. The hair goes, everything, they, you have well, to go through that machine. There's that great sequence. It kind of feels like a Stanley Kubrick sequence in the middle of the movie, which is just so dehumanizing, like as they kind of shave the hair off your body. And you have to go get your fillings removed so your head doesn't explode, you know, when you get drunk. So it's, it's very, you know, it's like everybody's nightmare. You know, it's just this... You're unconscious, and all these things are happening to you, and uh, um, it's it's a kind of a lovely sequence. I mean, he he's such a great shot maker. He's so meticulous about what I loved about working with him was was um, you know there are directors who don't know what they're doing who do a lot of coverage, right? And and you're just spinning your wheels. And mm-hmm. but the great directors will cut in camera, you know. So every shot that you're making is is you know ninety percent of them are in the movie, mm-hmm. That's and what so. They want. And right, and yeah. and so if you have to do fifty takes of the shot that you're trying to make, that you're trying to get, that's fine, you know, because it's going to be in the movie. It's when you're doing fifty takes of a shot that the director isn't sure. Oh, well, let's just get this just in case. And you're going like, you do enough of those, and you're going, you you're just going to figure this out later. You have no idea what you're doing, and you're kind of spinning everybody's wheels here. And and what was so fun about working with Alexander is he does do a lot of takes, but he but he does the kind of the exact number of shots that are required for each scene. Mm-hmm. So everybody's really involved in every single shot and and every single take and when you get it you have this real sense of accomplishment because you know you just made something that's going to be in the final product do you sort of watch it as it's going along? Do you watch uh, what they used to call rushes, but now that you could see in a, in a monitor? Yeah, now you can see. Yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, yes, I do. And um, some people take it to a completely different yeah. level. Like Soderbergh, um, when we did Behind the Candelabra, everybody got an iPad. And, uh, and you could go onto the, this website called Pix. And what Stephen would do, he would shoot and, and cut the film... So I would literally go home, and with Soderbergh, you finish at 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I would go home, I would have dinner with my family, I would, you know, put the kids to bed, and I would come da- back downstairs, and by the time I was downstairs, I would have a new, you know, a new, you know, you have a delivery on the PIX system, and I'd go look at the picks, <laughs> and it would be that day's work, completely cut together, with music, with as it would appear <laughs> in the final film. I mean, so he's, he's nuts, but he can do that. But what that does as an actor is it gives you this incredible... Advantage, which is that if you're doing like that movie was about this kind of ter- deterioration of this relationship between this this couple, and you could look at you know exactly the scene before. Okay, this is where we're going to come out of, and so you could really you ca- calibrate your performance. So you know where you are. You know exactly where you are, rather than you saying, "Steve, what 
Yeah, the what hell you were you think? thinking? You know, exactly. Yeah. I don't want to do this. You know, well, really. The, you give notes to Michael Douglas and say, you know, come on, you're over the top here. Right. As Liberace. Right. Right. No, no, right. Yeah. But but you could see how exactly how he was because an actor's one excuse is I didn't know what movie I was in. Like, uh-huh. wow, you were really big, or you were really, are you really underplayed that time, or you really overplayed? You know, mm-hmm. you go, yeah, I didn't really know. He didn't really, or she didn't really let me know what movie I was in. You know. Um, and Stephen just removes all that guesswork because he's he calls it opening the kimono. He goes, you know, this is this <laughs> so is the movie speak. you're in. Yeah. And so, and Alexander's like that too. He was so meticulous that you know he'd spent he he works you know he puts out a movie every probably three or four years because he writes it and he's you know he, he's very very um, meticulous with with every single detail and and all of his actors know where they are all the time and. And he's really great at communicating that. And that's why the performances in his movies are great. Yeah, meticulous can sometimes mean so disciplined that you lose the humanity. And well, he that's never a great does. point. That, that's a great point. Meticulous can mean over-controlling, mm-hmm. and he's not that either. I mean, he's very available and open to kind of what happens and open to whatever great idea might occur that day. Um, but, he's, but he's got a plan A, that, and he's very thoughtful about that. Well, when this movie takes a turn, and I don't want to get into spoiler territory too much, but it does where uh, Hung Chow comes into the movie yeah. as a Vietnamese dissident, yeah. and you meet up with her, and she's got, small as she is, <laughs> she's right. got a mouth. Yeah, she's, she's, <laughs> bigger, than, she's bigger than anybody. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah. she really does. But basically, we're seeing within this small world the same things we see in the world that we live in now, including third world. Right. Well, that's the, you know, it's the, the you know, it's you, we downsize, but we, we bring our problems with us. Mm-hmm. And we bring the same class structure with us. We mm-hmm. bring all of our humanity with us, the good and the bad. And and um, and so the movie really follows this character that I play, Paul Safranik, as he, you know, as Christoph Waltz plays this wonderful, colorful character. And He's this Serbian guy, and he's my neighbor, and he just, he goes, I like you, Paul. I like you. You're a, you know, he says, you're a nice guy, a little bit pathetic guy, you know, <laughs> which is kind of what Paul is. He's, he's very naive about the world that he lives in and about his place in it, mm-hmm. and the movie really kind of is this journey that he goes on, this odyssey that he goes on, where he, and, and, and Hong's character is, is kind of the biggest part of that. She opens his eyes to, to what the real world is and, and, what, and what his purpose is in the real world. Mm-hmm. And the fact that poverty will exist, that a, a class system will exist, right, right. that we go to do that. But what about you, man? What if, what if you had that uh, chance and somebody said to you, you know what, you know, we can help the environment, everything would work, would you shrink yourself down? No. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. No, no. I, I don't think anybody would go for it. It, it, seems, uh, it seems a little ludicrous, but... But look, it's your wife ultimate. and daughters would say, <laughs> no. uh, "You go do it, Dad." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're not going. We're not going. Um, no, I mean, but ultimately, it's a metaphor for you know why we let people treat us small, and and um, and and on that, I mean, I just, I just, I love, I just love the movie. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a frame of it, you know. And and you, and as you know, you don't always feel that way. You, there are scenes that you wish you could have back, or there are things that don't quite cohere. And what happens when that happens? It happens to every actor. <clears throat> yeah. Especially happens to somebody like you who takes risks. Uh, there are certain ways you can do as a, an actor and a movie star, which you right. are, right. where people say, well, just do what worked before. Why don't you just do Goodwill Hunting forever? Right. And we'll be really <laughs> happy with that. Yeah, I mean, that's another, that's just kind of, uh, I, I think 
I lived in fear of getting put into a box, of being told, do this again, because um, I'd seen early in my career actors who were not excited to go to work because they were going to have to go do that thing again. And um, I kind of made a pact with myself that I would always try to push and go in different directions and, and um, to, to, to not get put into a mm-hmm. box like that because um, that, that's just as bad to me as not working. And, um, you know, uh, but... But, uh, but when you try... And it doesn't work. It doesn't connect with an audience in yeah, some way. I, I How does it hurt? Does it hurt? Uh, it's horrible. It's yeah. terrible. It's painful. And I actually think the real mark of a professional actor is knowing that what you're doing is not working, right? That the movie is not working. And I'm not going to name any of the movies that I've done, that, but I have been in this situation mm-hmm. where I've, the, I, I become immediately aware this, is not, this isn't going to be good. And you still have four months to go. Um, to shoot it and, mm-hmm. and to show up every day and literally give it everything. And it's always harder to do those movies than it is the Goodwill Huntings mm-hmm. that, that are just clicking and, you know, um, and to show up every day and, and, and not bail emotionally on the movie or, you know, or, 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 you know, or let the morale around you crumble. You know, it's like to keep kind of buoying people on a, on a sinking ship is really, to me, the mark of a, what a professional is. Like that, that, that's the hardest thing to do. Well, you have to keep it. Alexander Payne always refers to you in this movie as the captain of the ship, as other than himself, that you have to basically be there for everybody else. Right. Crew, other actors, everybody. Yeah, and, 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 be, and come with a good spirit. You know, I, I, Robin Williams was, was an unbelievable kind of teacher in that way. Like, I mean, he did what, what nobody I've ever seen has ever been able to do, which is he would just do stand-up comedy. He would see the crew flagging. He would see everybody's energy start to wane. And he, it was like he would just pick up the entire crew and put, in, put them on his back. And mm-hmm. just he'd just do 10 minutes of, like, off-the-top-of-his-head stuff that was side-splitting. And everyone would be on the floor. And then he'd look around and go, okay, let's get back to work. And everybody would come back energized. And I mean, that... But he th- could make that transition. He was the only one I've ever seen be able to do that. <laughs> you know, then there are the Tom Hanks of the world who just, you know, who just, you just look at him and you're like, yeah, I want to be at work, man. <laughs> I love this guy, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and a lot of the great professional actors that I've worked with are like that. And, and that's, that's a good model. Okay, so let's be optimistic. A new year's coming. Okay. Know? What do you want for your new year? Uh, what do you wish for? Besides I've getting had, on Jimmy Kimmel for real. You yeah, know, because that's it. I that's constantly, my new year's wish. I mean, when I saw you actually wheel on uh, what were allegedly Clooney's twins. I worked as his Manny for you, about a week. You did yeah, do that. Yeah. That was as close as you actually got, right. other than being in Ben Affleck's uh, body suit. I've tried numerous ways to get to on the get show. To get on. Yeah. And one day it will be achieved for real. <laughs> I hope for you. That's my dream. That's my goal. Uh, is uh, that's 2018 is really that's going to be my focus. I said to him uh, when I saw you next because this show always ends in song. That I would <laughs> ask him. I said I would ask Matt to sing a song for you that was only for you, Jimmy. And I, I think there must be one in your head that says uh, everything you feel about him. Oh God! Come um, on, there has to be. There does have to be. I, I wish I'd thought of one. You've before. got a friend. Something that would... Uh, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have you. a friend. Not in you. Um, what's the kind of the most vicious anger kind of attack song <laughs> you can think of? I'd have to be a rap song, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be some, <laughs> something. Uh, oh, the CeeLo song. Yeah, yeah, I was riding around town, and it, but f*** you, you know, that's... 
He changed it to forget you, but, <laughs> but the original, but it, the original one the original was, was the explicit that. version was that's just right. you and yeah. you too. Yeah. Do you hear that, Jimmy? Yeah, that's, that's for, for you. you Jimmy. That's for you. Matt. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Good to see you. Yeah.